fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hold on a second. I'm trying to share out like social media links. Hold on here. Let me finish this up. It's funny how everything happens all at the same time. Hey, welcome into the show. Oh, you're here. Welcome. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It is a Wednesday, the middle of the week. Welcome into the program. I am Andy Hoosier. This is the Voice of Reason broadcasting live. In the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station, multiple radio stations, multiple TV stations, live streaming and podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate you very, very much. Lots to get to today. We have Lance Izumi. He's coming on the program at the bottom of the hour. He is with the uh, Pacific Research Institute talking about a boom in uh, homeschooling. People finally saying, I'm done, I've had it, I, I'm over it, and it's time to bring my kids home. Whether it's because of COVID and the COVID mandates, whether it's because of the curriculum with critical race theory, regardless of your reasoning, then I give you props. Not very many people can do it. It's very difficult, but I give you all the kudos in the world if you're able to, or if you do do that, or if you don't, it's okay too. We'll help you try and fight that public education system like we did it yesterday on the show. So welcome in. Great to have you on the ride today trying to fight for those conservative limited values each and every day. Before we get on the program, we have a lot to talk about. We have COVID numbers right now. We have the federal government trying to at least seek a little bit of control in containing the situation with COVID as most states are just saying, you know what, I'm done and we're just going to implement our own policies and do our own thing. Getting rid of mask mandates, getting rid of vaccine mandates. Yeah, we're just saying we're done and we're finally just going to open up. It's over. That's what the headline from Drudge Report right now that says that there's a record number of COVID deaths for the month. Now, they say that, meaning, again, you could just have COVID uh, test positive for it, even though you may not have any symptoms. You tested positive for it when you passed away, so therefore you're still considered a COVID death. We'll get to that here in just a second. Before we go into that realm, though, I got to give major props to Joe Rogan. We've talked about the podcast incident with Spotify and with everybody trying to silence him and the cancel culture that's canceling themselves. I got to give him major props. He finally did another episode, which he does, I don't know, one or two or three every week. Really, he's got a free reign. It's a podcast. You can do as much or as little as you actually want to, and people just wait for it to come out. So he finally addressed some of the issues. And I love Joe Rogan. Now, I've been a little critical of how he's apologized for some of the stuff that he's done and tried to really, uh, I get it. He's the peacekeeper. He's the de-escalator. He's the, uh, he's a black belt. And what is it? Taekwondo or jujitsu? I think it's jujitsu. He's a black belt. And he hosted Fear Factor. He had to deal with a lot of stressful, very angry people on that show. He moderates the UFC fighting and MMA. I get it. He's the de-escalator and the peacekeeper on that front. At the same time, I've been a little critical of how he's addressed some of this by kind of backing away from a little bit too much, I think, as opposed to really just standing up and saying, it's a podcast, get over it. If you don't like it, then just walk away and listen to something else. Because that would have been my approach if they would have attacked me for, oh, you had on someone that's like controversial and critical. How dare you do that? That's what I would have said. It's a show. You can listen to it or you can not listen to it. It's up to you and your prerogative. Go find something that makes you happy. But he went on the show and he was talking to... I don't even know another stand-up comedian. And right off the bat, he made a comment that I highly respect here. You know, in a lot of ways, like all this is a relief because it's like just because that that video had always been out there, right? It's like this is a 
political hit job. And yes. so they're taking all this stuff that I've ever said that's wrong and smushing it all together. Right. But, all right. First off, I completely agree. It is a political hit job. Welcome to the world of politics, Joe. I know you've stayed out of politics. You're not a political guy. You don't like politics. Welcome. You got it full force of what they try to do to individuals. And guess what? You're still standing, brother. So kudos to that one. It's good because it makes me address some that I really wish wasn't out there. And you know why I'm proud of you? Because I, I think comedians have for years done this immature thing where it's like, we don't apologize. We say whatever we want. You can apologize if you say some wild And we've all said some wild And you apologize and own that it's wrong. Good for you. You should apologize if you regret something. Yes. This idea that you should never apologize. Yes. Like if you regret something, I don't think there's anything wrong with apologizing. But I, I do think you have to be very careful to not apologize for nonsense. Correct. I completely agree. And I give him full credit for what he said there right off the bat with his new Joe Rogan episode, and it's spot on. We have lived in a world, especially in the world of politics, that you cannot apologize. You cannot change your opinion. You cannot evolve on issues. You cannot apologize because it is the end of your career. And for us that like pay attention to political issues in some way, shape, or form, it is a very, very difficult thing for some to come out and apologize. Ted Cruz came out and apologized just a few weeks ago for calling the incident on January 6th and calling them terrorists and because they weren't. They're not being charged with terrorism. It wasn't terrorism in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but he was like, while well, I was talking about the ones that attack police officers, okay, I get it. Still not terrorists, though. Uh, we kind of throw words out there a little too loosey-goosey at times, and we need to be very careful on when we say someone is a terrorist or a racist or a bigot or a homophobe or whatever, that we actually understand the definition of those terms because they actually have a lot of meaning to them and they're actually very important words. And if you just throw it out there loosey-goosey, that's a very derogatory thing to label someone as and you just destroyed their entire livelihoods because of your political opposition. So you're right, you don't want to apologize just for every little whim, but you do and should be able to apologize when you do something wrong or if you're evolving and realize that you made mistakes. Now, I don't know the context of what Joe Rogan used those bad words in before. I know it was part stand-up comedy. I know it was part referencing other people who had used it. So, I don't. I mean, obviously, Joe Rogan's not a racist by any means in any way, shape, or form, but he apologized for letting it come out in the clear, getting it out. And while they did it to damage him, as Joe Rogan so nicely does because he's kind of an awesome dude that way, he allows it for an opportunity for growth. It's finally out there. I got it swept under the rug. I got it out in the open, and it's done. I was able to apologize for that stuff and, and make sure that I've been able to grow from that and be able to use it for a launching platform to take it to the next level. Uh, the censorship part, he's still like, okay, yeah, I'll just bring more people on from the other side and have that conversation, which is all he needs to do. Spotify is going to put their label on it. Boom, it's done. But he takes it again. While the media is thinking he's about done and that he's now diminished and we've destroyed him, he takes it and uses it for a launching pad for growth and opportunity. As conservatives, that's exactly what we should be doing. And we sh I applaud him completely for something like that. Uh, because sometimes... You just have to get to that point to where you realize that, you know what, common sense is common sense on both sides of the aisle. We just have to realize, you know what, we're not standing here for a political front. We need to stand with common sense and reality. There's an individual, again, on the other side that I don't agree with really 90% of the time on political issues. But he's spot on on this one as well, calling out his own party when it comes to COVID-19 because he's starting to realize, wait a second, this is a political front, and this is not okay. This is Bill Maher just a few days ago. But what about liberals? You know, the high information by the science people? In a recent Gallup survey, Democrats did much worse than Republicans in getting the right answer to the fundamental question, 
What are the chances that someone who gets COVID will need to be hospitalized? The answer is between 1 and 5 percent. 41 percent of Democrats thought it was over 50 percent. Another 28 percent put the chances at 20 to 49. So almost 70 percent of Democrats are wildly off on this key question and also have a greatly exaggerated view of the danger of COVID-2 and the mortality rate among children. All of which explains why today the states with the highest share of schools that are still closed are all blue states. So if the right-wing media bubble has to own things like climate change denial, shouldn't liberal media have to answer for, how did your audience wind up believing such a bunch of crap about COVID? I mean, I got to give him credit for that. Bill Maher, about as far left as you can get on many issues, and I probably disagree with him 99% of the time, but he is spot on on this one. It's all about apologizing, accepting if you've done something wrong, accepting if you have been wrong in some way, shape, or form, being humble about it and being able to grow. Look, we try, and as we mentioned with politicians where they're not allowed to apologize, we stay stagnant. If you change your position on a political issue, is it because of a political you know, breeze of the day, which we need to be careful of, and obviously you shouldn't be doing that because that means you have no principles. If you change your position because you've evolved and you've learned more about it and now you've grown and you've evolved to be able to still hold on to your principles but look at an issue through a different perspective and continue on with that issue with your core values, then that's evolution. That's a good thing. Let's put it into perspective here, shall we? Democrats should apologize, the Democrats, the mainstream media, the Biden administration, the NIH, the FDA, all the other major organizations that have pushed the control aspect of this and the crazy tyranny over the last two years, need to apologize for inflating the fear of politics over the COVID pandemic for the last two years. They need to they need to grow. They need to evolve, which is what they're trying to do. They're trying to change their tone, but not do it in an apologetic manner, which is what they need to actually do. That is healthy. And I would respect them for that if they did such a thing. Mitt Romney, who tries to be Mr. Conservative, I'll never forget the presidential debate back in 2008, for example, when John McCain got elected and he stuck in the race. And I'll never forget they were at the Reagan, what was it, the Reagan Airport. And they were in the terminal, the the airplane was behind him, and there was the panel of like, I don't know, four or five or six of the candidates. And they asked, are are you the most like Ronald Reagan and why? And he talked about, spouted off why he's the most conservative dude, and he's got all these great conservative principles. But yet at the same time, while he was the governor of Massachusetts, he had proposed a universal health care system for the state. Now, I get it. It's a statewide level. Okay, cool. We don't like socialized health care. And for you to play yourself as a conservative, you've said that you've evolved on that issue, but really you changed the political winds. And oh, I don't believe that anymore. We don't see a whole lot of evolution from politicians because they're so scared to change their positions. I've changed my position on a lot of things, not in the sense of like, oh, it's the flavor of the day, so it's cool and popular now, but wow, I have a better understanding of it. I see it through a different lens. And you know what? I still hold on to those conservative principles. So Bill Maher, hats hats off to you, buddy. Joe Rogan, standing up for yourself, apologizing for what needed to be apologized for in a sense and saying, you know what? It's a growing opportunity and now it's all out there. They have nothing else to hold against me so they can say play that all you want to, but it's been floating around for a while. I'm going to use it to grow. All the power to you, brother. That's awesome. But speaking of this COVID thing, Bill Maher calling out the Democrats on this one. That would explain why we see in the news from Politico, and we did a TikTok video on this, by the way, as well, which you can watch on uh, TikTok, and we posted on, I think, on our other social media as well for our video. Here's the headline yesterday from Politico. Biden officials are trying to recalculate 
the COVID-19 hospitalizations. <laughs> now, now, what does that even mean? You're recalculating the COVID-19 hospitalizations. What that really means is that they realize that, number one, hospitals have been getting money for hospitalizations and for deaths of COVID-19. Uh, whether you've actually, that was what killed you and you got hospitalized because of COVID-19 or whether you're hospitalized with COVID-19. Completely different scenario there. They're getting money for both. But now that states are taking the matter into their own hands, we hear more states now releasing some of the mask mandates, getting rid of some of the regulations, getting rid of some of the vaccine or, or, or masks or whatever in their own states, making their own decisions. The Biden administration realizes they're losing grip on the situation. They've had the complete control for the last two years through Trump and through Biden. Everybody was looking towards the federal government. What do we do? What's the info? What do we do here? We don't know what to do. Why don't we just have to sit here and listen to your guidelines. We'll do whatever you tell us, federal government. We're not doing that anymore. The trucker protest that has caused a stir in the political realm, not just in Canada, but all over the country and all over the globe now, is starting to realize, wait a second, we're not going to tolerate this madness and this tyranny any longer. We're going to do our own thing. And while they're sensing they're losing control, they want to look like they're in front of this. By lowering the numbers, changing and recalculating the hospitalization rates, getting rid of the ones that are hospitalized with COVID and not for COVID, saying the numbers are down, the things are plateaued, the hospitals are stable. Yeah, it's good for you, states. I'm glad you're releasing some of these because it's unnecessary now. Fauci said that he's said that we're uh, the full blown pandemic phase is headed outward. This is the talking points and the rhetoric from the government trying to stay ahead of people just making their own decisions and them acting like they're allowing it, air quotes, to happen. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Andy Hoosier here reminding you not only can you listen to the Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring the Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Again, that's HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com.
bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I don't know that the whole mainstream media has gotten the word yet from the Biden admin and from the federal government to lay off some of the COVID rhetoric because they're still trying to scare people while the federal government's losing control of the situation and trying to change their tone pretty quickly. Over the last month, if you've noticed, they've really changed their tone. Now, as we see a headline on Drudge Report, and this is coming from MSN right now, COVID deaths, the highest in a year as Omicron targets the unvaccinated and elderly. Again, that scare, go get that vaccine kind of thing. That's the headline while you hear the Biden administration saying, you know what, we're past this Fauci right now. According to Axios.com, their piece, uh, that Fauci says the U.S. is heading out of the quote-unquote full-blown pandemic phase. And they're saying that because there are states and more states that are getting rid of mask mandates in schools, getting rid of mask mandates in public places, just saying we need to go back to normal. And election years seem to change the tone of many politicians. Again, the difference in evolution based on experience and knowledge and wisdom and changing tone based on the political flavor of the day and the popularity of an issue. Big difference on those. And the Democrats obviously don't have a spine. They don't have a whole lot of principles that they hold on to. So therefore, 75% of Americans want things back to normal and just accept COVID's going to be around. So now that's what they're heading towards. Last month, Jen Psaki, during the uh, media hearing, said, well, you know what? We really think that states should be making their own decisions. Now you have Fauci. We're heading out of the full-blown pandemic phase. The Biden administration saying, yeah, you know what, it's good that things are starting to loosen up now because that's what needs to happen. What's going on to cause them that issue? It's apparently not the deaths because the deaths are still, according to them, really high, which is not the case. They're just considering the number of deaths that are happening and then people that test positive and lumping them together and be like, ha the number of COVID deaths, because that's not necessarily true. But they're using that to say, well, we're going to start recategorizing here. And then actually look at the numbers, start whittling it down, changing the terminology, changing the definition. So the numbers look better to say, look, you guys are doing the right thing. We're allowing you to do this. Remember, it's all about control. We have allowed this because it seems to be working out. They're not ahead of it. They look foolish because they're changing it pretty dramatically. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on COVID today, although we just did a lot of a lot of attention to it. It really is a bigger picture right now because We need to be focused on these issues. What is going on with the Democrats right now outside of, you know, trying to win a victory? We have the Olympics that have been a disaster and the Biden administration handled that one horribly. COVID, obviously, the uh, supply chain issues that happened under Biden after a year and a half of a COVID pandemic. that It can't be really COVID related because it just happened a year and a half into it when we were almost on the way out. Uh, Then we have, of course, just losing complete control. So what do you do? You have to find a way to win back your base. Okay, how do you win back your base? Well, you give them something. According to Democrats, you just give them something that they would really, really like or really, really want. You give them something. So what happens is the Biden administration is starting to give away crack cocaine pipes. I mean, seems like the appropriate good used to it used to be you would raise the social programs a little bit. You would raise the minimum wage. You would raise some type of nice little stimulus package or some type of stimulus check to hand out to the American people. They tried to do the whole, you know, universal basic income. I mean, child tax credit from last year. That didn't work. They can't pass it. So what's the next best thing? Let's give them crack cocaine pipes. Why not? I'm telling you, the next question is, when are Republicans going to screw this up? And they're already starting to do it. Thanks, Mitch McConnell. We'll get to that here in a little bit on the program. But when are Republicans going to screw this up? This is the perfect opportunity for us to say, hey, Democrats, you have no 
clue what you're doing right now. You didn't handle the COVID pandemic. You didn't handle the economy. We're seeing inflation rates and uh, the product increases, price increases from small businesses at levels that we haven't seen since Jimmy Carter when they screwed up the economy. Apparently, you didn't learn your lesson. You didn't win on the immigration issue. You didn't win on the inflation issue. You didn't win on trade issues. You didn't win on the Ukraine-Russia issue. You didn't win on the Olympics issue. What do you have? Hey, Let's figure out a way to give something to the public. Oh, yeah. Let's give them crack pipes. That sounds like a great idea. In an effort to get them off the streets in a dirty pipe, we'll give you a clean pipe. Here's a brand new sparkly clean pipe. You can smoke your crack it. That'll win back the Democrat base. Lance Azumi, he'll be coming up after the bottom of the hour. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government censorship and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch the voice of reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality, hear entertainment shows, and of course yours truly with the voice of reason. Plus, we offer numerous media services, including helping you set up your own podcast, become your own voice of reason, and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic. For information on all of our shows, links to podcasts, each show website or social media link, or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment, visit our website at HoosierMedia.com. Again, that's HoosierMedia.com, the future of media. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into the program. Multiple radio stations, TV stations, live streaming, podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. Trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. I'm getting a lot of comments on those live streams right now on the social media and the chat rooms. Uh, uh, regarding the whole crack pipe thing from Joe Biden. That's just hysterical. Uh, look, I get it. This is this reminds me, This not just this, but the whole COVID thing as well. This reminds me of like the dude that's trying to impress the girl. So he goes up to his buddies and goes, hey, I need you to create a situation where I can come in and be the savior. I can be the, the knight in shining armor riding the white horse looking like Fabio right now. I'm going to come in and save the day. Can you just create a situation so that way, a fake situation, you know, a hostage negotiation or something, I can ride in, I can save the day, I can impress the girl, the damsel in distress. That's what I need you to do for me, buddy. <laughs> that's what Jen Psaki's doing with COVID right now. And that's kind of what Joe Biden's doing with the crack. He hasn't won anything. No legislation passed last year except for the infrastructure bill. Didn't pass Build Back Better, even while suspending the filibuster in the Senate to be able to pass that one. Couldn't pass the extension of the uh, universal basic income, I mean, child tax credit issue going on. He has nothing. He hasn't won on immigration, hasn't won on trade, hasn't won on China, hasn't won on the Olympics, nothing. Now they're losing control of COVID with states just getting rid of mandates. So they got to stay out in front of it, trying to create the drama in order to be the great savior. And it's it looks almost pathetic. I feel kind of bad for the guy. Do we? Do we? Joe Biden, you doing all right, buddy? Doing all right? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. All right, making sure. Let's get into our next guest. Super happy to have this guy on the program. 
What's trending today? So uh, we've talked a lot about public education. What can we do to fix public education? But I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that are just done. Uh, they're just done with public education, doing the homeschooling. I've seen this massive boom in like micro schooling, which sounds amazing. It's like homeschooling, but with some of the kids in the neighborhood and just trading off with parents. The, uh, the people taking matters into their own hands was like the most libertarian, conservative, awesome idea that you can do. You're not doing it properly, so I'm going to figure out how to do it myself. How can you do that? And what's going on with this boom and what's led to some of this stuff? I am super happy to have on the program. He is the author of The Homeschool Boom, Pandemic Policies and Possibilities. He's also the Senior Director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute. Really happy to have on the program here Lance Izumi with us here. Lance, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm terrific, Andy. So wonderful to be on your show. Thanks a lot for having me. I am really happy to have you on the program. I'm sensing that we may have to have you on a lot because this is uh, after the election that happened a couple months ago with Virginia and with parents rising up and just saying, wait a second, did you really just say I can't have a say in my kids' public education? I'm sensing this could be a major focal point going into midterms next year. What do you think? Oh, I think so. It's education, which a lot of times is, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a back burner issue for a lot of people, has become really a front and center issue. And I think that whether it's at the state, local, or national level, education is really going to be a huge uh, issue and, a, and a, an issue that will be deciding a lot of people's votes, I think, come November. And so I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see that debate. But I think what you saw in Virginia, where parents just got so fed up with uh, how the regular public schools and with their establishment politicians were dealing with COVID and uh, various mandates and uh, curriculum and all that sort of thing that, uh, A, they decided to take on the school boards, but B, you know, when they felt as though they weren't getting any kind of adequate response from the public schools, they decided to homeschool their kids instead. I completely agree. Now, there were a lot of schools, obviously, over the last year that did the homeschooling and uh, remote learning is what they call it. But luckily, my Mrs. Voice of Reason, my wife was able to stay at home with our seven-year-old daughter, who's in second grade now, and and was doing that. And we got to the point where, like, why don't we just homeschool ourselves? Like, they're stretching out the entire day into eight hours when giving the project that could take an hour and a half to actually get done. And we move on and actually progress here. I think this was kind of an eye-opener during the pandemic for many individuals of, wait, maybe we can do this. We're not either not getting what we want to out of public schools or it's not running efficiently or because of having to have my kids wear masks. Uh, But I think, do you think this really opened up the minds for parents to really think about different possibilities here? Oh, absolutely, Andy. I think that what parents saw were several things. First of all, uh, they did see, first of all, that the regular public schools were not uh, educating their children effectively during the COVID pandemic. Uh, when you had uh, remote distance learning, uh, the schools were just not prepared uh, to handle that situation. The teachers weren't trained. Uh, you had a one-size-fits-all curriculum that really didn't uh, help the kids, especially in a uh, remote learning situation. And then, you know, when the parents had to then supplement uh, what the schools weren't providing, they found out, you know something, I'm actually doing a better job than my school in preparing my kids and teaching them, and so why don't I just uh, simply homeschool my kids, take them out of this one-size-fits-all situation, and give them the individualized, personalized instruction that they need, and I think that's what you saw, is that a lot of parents found that homeschooling was suddenly doable for them. They got a lot more choices in terms of the types of curriculum they were available to them, the types of learning methods they were going to use for their kids and it turns out their kids uh, start to thrive under that situation and you know no wonder you saw a huge boom in homeschooling during the pandemic and they know what bathroom to use apparently 
<laughs> I, I, there's that as well. Uh, my always my biggest concern with homeschooling has always been the social awkwardness of not having that interaction with other kids, not being able to be involved in the community, and just kind of being isolated. And I've seen that with some members of family in the past, and I was always concerned about something like that. But with so many people really doing this, this doesn't really seem to be the case anymore, does it? No, it certainly is not the case. I think that's one of the big myths about homeschooling, in which uh, I uh, tried to dispel in my book, The Homeschool Boom, is that you know uh, you're not going to have uh, during homeschooling, you're not going to have an isolated uh, type of situation where you have the mom and the um, and the son or daughter at the kitchen table 24/7 without seeing anybody. That's not how it operates anymore because there are so many more kids who, and parents who are homeschooling. Uh, what you see is uh, groupings, lots of different groupings of parents who get together in the neighborhood, whether it's through homeschool co-ops, uh, these learning pods that uh, you mentioned earlier. The micro schooling, uh, yeah. Yeah, micro-schooling. You know, there are all these types of different uh, uh, groupings of parents who try and ensure that their kids do get that socialization, whether it's, you know, being in a small group of kids who are being taught by maybe one of the parents, uh, you know, a day or two a week, uh, whether it's getting together for activities like field trips to museums or to libraries, or whether it's to get together for sports activities. What you have is like this community now who support homeschooling, and in many cases, the kids Kids end up having much better social interaction, uh, not just with other children, because you end up having kids who are interacting not just with their age-level peer group, but with uh, children of different ages, but also, too, they get to interact a lot more with adults, and you end up having kids who are much more mature uh, emotionally than you do if they were left in the regular public school. That is very true. I never thought about that aspect. It's almost like the old school classrooms to where you would have like fifth through high school all in one like little room with like, you know, two of each grade in there to where, you know, the other kids could mature a little bit better. They were hanging out with high schoolers and older kids at the same time. So they were getting uh, kind of that dose of maturity at the same time. That's absolutely right. In fact, in my uh, uh, book, I have a chapter on homeschool co-ops, and uh, you know, I have uh, I profile two moms. Um, one, interesting enough, who says she's a flaming liberal. Another one who says that she's a conservative Christian. But they came together to form this homeschool co-op in which they, uh, you know, brought uh, uh, children in the neighborhood from different age groups who uh, were they were then taught by different parents, you know, uh, rotating uh, in their co-op, and it turned out to be a great situation. For them because a lot of the parents had maybe some specialized knowledge, whether it's in uh, mathematics or in social studies or whatever, but they were able to uh, form this co-op and successfully have um, bring together kids from all kinds of different backgrounds uh, and uh, be able to you know do a better job in fostering learning than had those kids stayed in the regular public schools. That's very true. We're talking with Lance Izumi, Senior Director of the Center for Education at the Pacific Research Institute, also author of the book of The Homeschool Boom. Uh, do you have any numbers on hand? Do you know over the last couple of years the percentage-wise of maybe parents or families that are starting or at least considering homeschooling? Because I can imagine that it's pretty substantial now. It is substantial, Andy. And if you look at the numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, it's staggering, actually. before the pandemic started, well, if you, you know, around the start of the pandemic in the spring of 2020, uh, you probably had about 5% of uh, American households who were homeschooling their kids. One year later, in spring of 2021, that proportion of households homeschooling had grown to 20%. 
So you had a fourfold increase in the number uh, proportion of parents who are homeschooling their kids. And so basically that uh, translates to one in five households who are homeschooling their children. And if you look at the numbers that, uh, that are estimated by some experts like the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, uh, their research shows that you know, the number of kids may be upwards of 8 million kids. And to put that in perspective, if you go back to 1990, the number of homeschoolers in this, uh, uh, homeschooled children in the country was probably about 300,000. And now you're talking about something upwards of 8 million, massive increase. And a lot of that increase came during the COVID pandemic. That's insane. We got just about a minute left here before we have to wrap up, but curriculum quality, how how does it compare to public education? Obviously, public education is kind of a low standard there, but uh, how are the curriculums and are they getting better? Or are they already pretty good? Uh, well, first of all, they're pretty good. I mean, you just have to look at the fact that the, uh, most of the rigorous research that's been done on homeschooling compared to regular public schools showed that homeschooled children actually do better uh, academically than their uh, regular public school peers. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the curriculum, uh, there's so many choices now. There are literally hundreds of different curricula available to homeschool parents to choose from. And from that, they are able to pick the right one that really meets the needs and learning styles of their children. And again, able to personalize, individualize that learning. And they're not uh, forced to be the square peg in the round hole at the regular public school using a one-size-fits-all curriculum that may not work with their child, but they have no alternative. And so I think that's one of the uh, great uh, things about homeschooling is that you are able to personalize that education for your child, regardless of you know uh, their weaknesses and strengths. They're, you're able to promote uh, you know the, their learning in a way that they couldn't receive at the regular public school. Sure, and actually teach them some life skills: how to change a tire, how to plant the garden, how to actually you know survive, rather than just you know some of the basics that they teach there. Lance, I love it. It's the homeschool boom. Make sure to check it out on the book as well and the website at PacificResearch.org. Lance, let's do this again real soon, my friend. Absolutely, Andy. Would love to be back. Thank you so much. Appreciate Andy it. Hoosier here, reminding you not only can you listen to the Voice of Reason on your favorite radio station, but also check out the video of the program on TV and online. We're excited to be working with our partners over at OpsLens to bring the Voice of Reason live every day on their website at OpsLens.com, on the OpsLens app that you can download on any of your smartphones, or on any of the OpsLens social media. It's a great network that broadcasts multiple shows promoting truth, reason, and common sense, reaching thousands of viewers every day, all day long. Plus, while you're there, you can always watch some of the best highlights of the show during the weekends or read our latest opinion columns on topical issues of the day. Also, if you want to interact with me during the program, just leave a comment on their social media or the OpsLens app stream. You can always join the live chat rooms, or if it's easier, just email me at network at gmail.com. Again, that's network at gmail.com. This is your show, and we want to hear from you. Why? Because it's time for you to be your own voice of reason in your own community. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You want some more reason throughout the day? Well, now it's easier than ever to find. Here's what you do. Check out the website at HoosierReason.com. There you can find past shows, links to all of our social media, special features, our monthly blogs, and a heck of a lot more. Plus, make sure to check in frequently as we're constantly working to add more goodies that you'll really enjoy. Also, you can always subscribe and follow our social media sites for bonus content, articles that we use on the show, or maybe some additional rants. Yeah, it's all that and so much more. Check it all out at HoosierReason.com.
Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. Want to reach out to the show? A big part of the program is you, and we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts of the show, maybe a guest we've had on the program, or my favorite, when you disagree with something that I talk about. You can email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or send us a message through our website at HoosierReason.com. The show's not about me. It's about you. So be heard and be your own voice of reason. Again, email me at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com or find our contact information at HoosierReason.com. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Last few minutes here on the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a midweek celebration. Thanks again to Lance coming on the program. We are definitely getting him back. That went way too fast. We just scratched the surface of that content and that topic. So we'll get him back on the show here real soon. And uh, we appreciate him. Again, you can visit them on their website. You can check out all their good stuff with uh, the Pacific Research Institute and check out what all he's working on. The homeschooling boom. Are you homeschooling? Are your uh, kids, as you being grandparents, are you, are, are, you know what I'm talking about, are your grandkids being homeschooled? Who is there a boom? Is there something going on right now? And are people just done with the public education system? And how do we fix it? We've had both those conversations. Yesterday, we talked about how to fix some of the public education. Today, we're just like, hey, if you're done with it completely, here's how you get rid of it. So it's a work in progress. Educating the youth of America, probably the most important issue of all time. Speaking of education, I need to turn the tide around here real quickly to the Republican Party for a second. As you know, we hold ourselves to a higher standard than the Democrats because they really just don't care. They go with the breeze, whatever the flavor of the day is and whatever's cool and whatever's hip. And that's what they're all about. They've evolved not in a way based on morals and education and wisdom and experience, but just they've evolved just based on what people want based on the popular votes and popular surveys of the time. Republicans, we try to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And right now, we have leadership, unfortunately, that is sabotaging the Republican Party to the nth degree. National survey right now shows that Republicans are five to seven points ahead in the polls going into the election season. It's early. We have like eight months until election time, but we're still ahead. And how hard is it to really beat a party that has nothing to run on other than we screwed up the economy, we raised inflation, we killed off jobs, and we're giving away free crack pipes? (laughs) let's be honest, you can't have a difficult time beating a party like that. But at the same time, we always have to find that one controversial point within the Republican Party for the media to focus on. So the media is not talking about why Joe Biden's giving away crack pipes, but instead we're talking about what Republicans are doing. And I'm talking, of course, about Mitch McConnell going after the RNC for being critical of Liz Cheney and the other Republicans supporting the January 6th committee. It was a violent insurrection for the purpose of trying to prevent the peaceful transfer of power after a legitimately certified election from one administration to the next. That's what it was. Okay, so that's his view on it. That's cool. I didn't see it that way. It could be whatever. I'm not here to debate that point. But what he said next was the very troubling part. Now, again, this is not a controversial thing on the Democrat side. Democrats were always about that. Obviously, they're insurrection terrorists. We need to hang them by their toes sort of thing. And Donald Trump especially, because he's the one that instigated it. That's not true, again, but that's their opinion. They can have that opinion. It's wrong, but it's a decent opinion, I guess, if you want to have that. There are a few Republicans who are so anti-Trump in the party 
that they are willing to sabotage the Republican Party to go out of their way to still try and go after Donald Trump. It's a political issue now. It's done. It's over. Let's move on. Let's get over it. And let's focus on the topical issues of the day because that's what people want to hear about, right? For you and I as Republican voters, that's what we want to hear. But no, no, no. There's a few out there, especially Liz Cheney, who are saying, no, we need the January 6th committee. We need to continue the investigation and we need to demonize and we need to completely destroy Trump so he can never run for office again. Now, that has led to near 75 percent of the county Republican parties across the state of Wyoming that she represents as a senator to disown her and claim her not to be a Republican. Now, the party of the, the RNC itself, the national RNC, the purpose of the national party is to create a platform, is to get more voters and is to get their candidates elected across the nation. Mitch McConnell apparently doesn't see it that way. The issue is whether or not the RNC should be sort of singling out members of our party who may have different views from the majority. That's not the job of the RNC. That actually is the job of the RNC. The job of the RNC is to actually hold up a platform so Republican voters continue to vote Republican, and you expand that voter base to be able to elect Republican candidates. When a Republican is not holding up Republican values and is going after their own party by making it eat itself alive, then you try to get away the fungus. You try and kill off the virus. You try and cut off the cancerous part of the piece of body that is having that cancerous piece because you don't want it to continue to eat away and erode and spread. When you have a member of the party destroying its own member of the party because they don't like them, that's a cancerous part of the party you need to cut out to make sure that you get voters to actually fall in line with the platform. That's why we choose to be Republicans. So, Mitch McConnell, I get that you're not the most conservative guy, but guess what? We want a united party to not focus on these ridiculous issues and focus on why socialism spreading across the nation and why Joe Biden's trying to give away free crack pipes. I want that to be the issue. Can we please make that the topical issue of the day and not why the Republicans are eating themselves alive and giving more fuel to the mainstream media? If you could do that, that'd be great. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, Mitch. Mr. You know, nuts in the mouth talking guy. Podcast up in just a little bit. This is The Voice of Reason. Back at it tomorrow. We'll see you on the radio. Hey, it's Andy Hoosier. You know, when I get off the air every day, the battle for me against limited government, censorship, and even unfactual content is far from over. That's why now I'm so happy to say that the Hoosier Media Network is giving you more opportunity to catch The Voice of Reason along with other great shows and podcasts. It's been a long time in the works, and now you can finally enjoy more great content, services, and topical shows. We're the safe space for alternative talk, information, and ideas that the mainstream media absolutely hates. From holistic and alternative medicine, discussions on religion and spirituality hear entertainment shows and of course yours truly with the voice of reason plus we offer numerous media services including helping you set up your own podcast become your own voice of reason and bring your expertise to any fun issue or topic for information on all of our shows links to podcasts each show website or social media link or to find out about everything we do to challenge the mainstream establishment visit our website at hoosiermedia.com again that's hoosiermedia.com the future of media